0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Locked on Golden Knights. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network it is Friday, March 6th. At least for another couple of hours. But this is your post-game podcast for the Vegas Golden Knights. 4 to nothing loss to the Winnipeg Jets on Friday night. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That was... Uh... I'm not going to say it was a colossal failure, but it was not the Golden Knights' best performance when you look at the score. Now, overall, they played well. At least, I would like to think that they played well. Until you look at the score, and then you realize, maybe Connor Hellebuck really is that good. Maybe the Golden Knights just suck when it comes to playing on the road against a very desperate team. All of these factors can be true, and we will discuss them in just a matter of moments. But welcome back, everybody, to the show. How are you? I hope your day or your night or your evening is going much better than the Vegas Golden Knights. But welcome back to the show. I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. And we will be breaking down this game in a matter of moments. But first, usual housekeeping items. Uh, welcome to those of you who are stumbled upon this podcast for the very first time, as this is, as you can clearly guess, a daily podcast about the Vegas Golden Knights on the on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Words. What are words? I don't know what words are. But if you do know what words are, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockdownVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you like sending emails, because emails have words too, words are also very good, Locked on Golden nights at gmail.com is the place to do that. Oh, and you can also uh, find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever else you consume your podcasts. We're more than likely on that forum, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today. So, I mean, here's the thing. I did not watch most of this game. I was actually out for most of the evening with my wife, so I didn't really get a chance to watch the game in its entirety. We were at dinner and the game just happened to be on every single television inside the restaurant. So I was able to kind of peek up and look at as, as it was going on, but I did not watch the first period. And the first period was really the part of the game where it was, uh, where the game was decided very early. In fact, really the first 30 seconds of the game or however long it took for the jets to get on the board. Thanks to the stick of Ryan Reeves, Uh, I did see that goal, and all I could say was oof. If there's another word besides oof, uh, put it in there. But you you got to have more awareness for this. And, And Pete DeBoer has put so much faith in this fourth line, throwing them out, starting every game. You know that there are going to be times where the fourth line will give up goals. The fourth line should not be giving up goals by themselves. If you know what I mean. That happened. The Golden Knights instantly down one to nothing. And from then on, it was just a rough night for Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, I will I will talk about Fleury in a little bit later on, because I I know I touched on it last night. Tonight we'll have to Real, relived the discussion. Uh, Patrick Allemand made it two nothing on the power play. Where I mean, rebounded puck kicks out to him at his office at the left circle. He gets it, roofs it over Flurry. Two nothing. Kyle Connor off a horrendous turnover by Nick Waugh, who has been playing great on the second line. Very tough turnover for him to have. Sets the two on one the other way, and Kyle Connor scores his thirty sixth goal of the year. Three nothing in the first period and there was really nothing more that could be done uh matthew parole had a power play goal in the second period to make it four nothing and that's really all she wrote mark andre Fleury made 20 saves uh connor hellebuck with a 29 save shutout and the golden knights start this five game road trip with by all intents and purposes a, a big dud in winnipeg which i touched on it yesterday you can afford To have the losses to Winnipeg, maybe Colorado, maybe Minnesota, if you really are that fully invested on the Calgary-Edmonton back-to-back this upcoming weekend, but you at least need to show some fight. I guess I should have put in the uh, added effort, the oomph that you need to have during this five-game road trip. And against a potential team that Vegas may see in the playoffs at some point, and I'm talking about maybe the first round, if the Jets continue to play as well as they are and they're going to be creeping up for that first wild card spot, that's really not a great way to start. I mean, you had the earlier matchup against Winnipeg where Vegas had, what, a two-goal lead, choked it in the third, lost it in overtime, and then, um, and then today. I I mean, that's not really a good showing against a Winnipeg team that you're likely going to see in the first round should things uh, persist the way that they are. And yeah, I mean, that's really all there is to it. Uh, This was really a game from what I saw, and I did go back home and watch, you know, really watch the replay of it to kind of get a feel for what happened tonight. And I see a lot of people on Twitter, and I don't know why I go on Twitter. I don't know why I have a Twitter. I don't know why I have Twitter, because sometimes there are just people that say things that you're just going, what? I can't put this all on Marc-Andre Fleury. I I just cannot, for the life of me, put this on Marc-Andre Fleury. The first goal, unless you feel like he has to save his own teammate's shot— Okay, the second goal is power play. The Jets power play is ridiculously good. I mean, what can you do there? The third goal, not his fault. What do you want him to do? You want him to just stop a two-on-one? And then the fourth goal, uh, I mean, maybe he should have gotten a stick on it. Maybe not. But I don't know what in the world Nick Holton was doing in front of him on that play. Nick Holden, I think, it was on the ice for three of the goals allowed, which ch- chalks it up to a banner day for number 22, the recently signed $1.4 million man. I see people talking about this, and, and you know, understandably so. We are in a current position where the Golden Knights have two elite goaltenders, and you've got to figure out which one is the best option going forward. It's no coincidence that Robin Leonard has played well in two starts. We will see how that translates to the road in the next coming days. As I imagine, it would probably be him going into Calgary on Sunday. But if you're trying to put all of this on flurry, just like just like if you try to put all of it on flurry against the Kings, I don't know what to tell you. Like the Kings game, I already, I already said from the get-go, the Kings game... That was just a terrible defensive effort. Uh, and tonight, I think, was a terrible defensive effort and a lot of lapses and a lot of bad mistakes that have left Flurry out to dry. I mean, should he have made a save on one of them? Yeah. And I mean, for DeBoer to come out and say that, you know, the goalie's got to save one of those, like, what do you expect him to do? What do you expect him to do in that time, in that space? Because, yeah, I... I It's kind of an anomaly to see Fleury give up eight goals in his last two starts when in the previous five, he was showing why he was one of the best goalies in the league. I I completely understand that from that aspect, but you watch how the goals are being given up and you just cannot blame it on him, which is why a lot of the times this year when you watch him, they're not his fault. A lot of the goals are not his fault. You don't see those kind of mistakes happen when you have a goaltender who's literally got to come out to the crease and play a puck. You don't see that because you don't see that with flurry. You didn't see it on last week against the Kings. You didn't see it tonight against Winnipeg. And again, I get it. And I also said it last night at the end of the day, those people are going to look at numbers. You're going to look at numbers and see that the numbers don't look well in reflection to number twenty nine you look at the numbers in reflection to number ninety and it 's a completely different subject. I get it. it makes sense this is these are the times we live in. But if you fully watch how everything unfolds throughout the course of a game and you watch you can't blame it on flurry, and if you're doing that, you are causing more of a of a controversy. Then there needs to be. It's not Boer's fault. It's not Flurry's fault. It's the talent you have around you. And you're bound to have these kind of nights. Nicholas Waugh made probably the biggest blunder of the night, but that is not going to eliminate the last three, four weeks that we've seen him, especially the last few games where he's been on the second line, where he has been fantastic. And he had another great game tonight. He had another great game tonight where he was, he had, I think he had a post or two. And then he also played very sound in a 200 foot game. He also played pretty sound defensively, which is what you need in the absence of arguably your best playmaker and your best player. And that is exactly what he has done, but he makes one blunder. And then all of a sudden, no one's sitting here talking about Nicholas Waugh being an absolute joke because he's not. We can't talk about Marc-Andre Fleury and say he's a joke because he's not. He is not. That's why I'm very curious why I think people are trying to create a controversy out of something that isn't there. The Golden Knights did not trade for Robin Leonard to make up for Marc-Andre Fleury's shortcomings. They traded for him because Malcolm Subban was not getting it done as their backup. Now, it completely flips the script if you acquire Robin Leonard and he's winning all his games and Marc-Andre Fleury is not winning any of his. And yeah, I get it. Vegas has dropped two of three since he's uh, dropped two of the last three games. So the two losses were when Fleury was in net. I get it. But I just don't see how really any of this is Fleury's fault. He hasn't been great. I'm not saying that it's not all on him, but I'm not going to give him a hundred percent of the blame. I, I would probably, I don't know if you asked me to put a percentage on it, you know, I go 60, 40. Is that fair? Or is that too high? I don't know. It, it, it totally depends on if you're looking at this from a 50, 50 standpoint. And if you're looking at this from a standpoint where, you know, do you really believe that there is a controversy where there really isn't? And that I think is where we need to kind of have this come to Jesus meeting on what we're really doing. Now, again, Lennar's been great in two starts. The two teams that he's played though, Buffalo and New Jersey, aren't really the biggest world beaters in the National Hockey League. They played a desperate team tonight, in Winnipeg, they're going to play another desperate team on Sunday against Calgary, and they're definitely going to play another desperate team on Monday against Edmonton. Okay, if the Golden Knights allow four goals against Calgary and they lose four to three, are we all of a sudden saying Leonard's in trouble? Now, obviously, the narrative changes where if he wins, he's three and oh, as a Golden Knights goalie, and everything is just working out perfectly for him. But if he loses, then what? And then you got to roll Flurry back out there for Edmonton on Monday. At that point, it's not necessarily the goaltending that's the issue. Because I can look at more goals that Subban should have saved this year, Flurry should have saved this year. But it more outweighs the fact that at the end of the day, the players playing in front of 29 in the last two games have not been good. Nick Holden has not been good. Zach Whitecloud has definitely had his struggles. The the fourth line has not been fully there lately. Last Tonight was definitely proof of that. They're having trouble clearing the puck. They're having trouble getting clearances from their own zone. It's, It's a matter of are you making the right plays to make it as comfortable as you possibly can for flurry. And if you're not doing that, then of course all the people, all the trolls are going to start coming out of the woodworks and they're going to try and start something that really isn't there. It's an all an illusion. It's all an illusion. This whole goalie controversy, at least for now is an illusion. There is no controversy. Pete DeBoer is going to go 1A, 1B, 1A, 1B, 1A, 1B for the rest of the regular season. Whatever happens in the playoffs happens. But contrary to popular belief, these last two games have not been Fleury's fault. They absolutely have not. But at the end of the day, like I said the other day, numbers draw everybody together. And when you see the numbers... Low save percentage, allowing four goals on X number of shots. I think last, I think Sunday it was four goals on 17 shots. Tonight was four goals on what, 24 or something like that, whatever it was. You cannot put it fully on the goalie unless it is becoming egregious. You can't give up two power play goals like that. You can't give up a two on one like that. And you cannot have your fourth line give up that kind of a goal to start that game. Because if you give up a goal to that team in that barn that early, and they're fighting for a playoff spot, it was doomed from the start. That game was doomed from the very beginning. C'est la vie, I guess. C'est la vie. So as it stands... At this moment, the Golden Knights now 37-24-8 th- through a very night. Well, tonight was not nice, but it is a 69th game of the year for the Golden Knights. And they retain the two-point lead on the Edmonton Oilers for first place in the Pacific Division. Meanwhile, the Calgary Flames won 3-2 to tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. So now all of a sudden, it, it, it oof, hey, look at the division. It's getting crazy now, isn't it? Uh, Vegas 82 points Edmonton 80 Calgary 79 three straight wins for the Flames at this juncture Vegas meets Calgary in Calgary on Sunday before they face off against Edmonton on Monday current standings show that Winnipeg is actually tied with Vancouver for the first wild card, but by tiebreaker, and I'm not exactly sure what tiebreaker it is. I'm not even going to go into what tiebreaker it might be. Uh, but Vancouver holds the first wild card over Winnipeg. So right now, if the playoffs were to start today, Vegas, Vancouver in round one, Winnipeg would actually go to St. Louis, which, oh boy, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, the Coyotes lost to the Flames tonight. The Canucks beat the Avalanche. A good win for Vancouver tonight. And the Blues lost to the Devils tonight as well. Um, very interesting six-game slate that happened today. The Red Wings beat the Blackhawks, too, which, you know, I guess back-to-back, you travel, and makes sense. But, ooh, Nelly, that, that not, a, not a good game for the Blackhawks. Yeah, it's pretty much been the Blackhawks for the last five years, or, or however long it's been since they last won the Stanley Cup or last made the playoffs. It feels like an eternity. I mean, it, it kind of does, in all retrospect. It does feel like a uh, an eternity as of now. Um, but looking at the playoff picture right now, Vancouver, 76 points, Winnipeg, 76 points, Minnesota at 75 with Vancouver's win knocked, and Winnipeg's win knocked Minnesota back down. Minnesota at 75, Nashville 74, Arizona 74. Chicago's still hanging around there at 70. I mean, they would probably have liked to have beaten Detroit tonight and get 72 points and be only four back of Winnipeg. But Chicago ain't going away, apparently. Uh, They're hanging in there with, they got 14 games to go, so they are not out of it by any stretch. But the Pacific Division, which was once very, very tight, is very, very tight once again, uh, with Vegas and Calgary separated by three points, one through three, as they enter their matchup on Sunday night in, is it still called the Saddledome? That's a very good question. Is it still called the Saddle Dome? Hold up. Cause I, cause Calgary was one of my, uh, Scotiabank Saddle Dome. There we go. Okay. Uh, no, because back in 04, which was, what was it? The last year before the lockout, the first lockout, obviously that was the year when Calgary and Tampa played in the Stanley cup final. And I was a huge Calgary fan for that entire run. The, Jerome McGinley became like my fa- my one, a favorite player behind Mike Madono. Uh, he, that whole Calgary team was so much fun. kippersoff in goal. It, it was just a fun time. Um, but I remember just watching the flames throughout that entire playoff run. And I'm like, that looks like a saddle. And, and again, but what? Oh, three, Oh four. I was like, I was like, what? 12. So I'm like, Oh, that looks like a saddle. That looks pretty cool. And come to find out it was actually called the saddle dome, man. That that's what, you know, I, there was something I listened to the other day. And I'm not exactly sure where I heard it from, but it was—I uh, think it was on a podcast. I think it was a No Ducks podcast. I actually talked about yesterday. Uh, w- one of the questions that was asked—I think was—they did a mailbag themselves earlier in the week. It was asked uh, if you could change one thing, one sporting event in history to kind of change the course of history or something like something to that effect. And I thought, about, and I was thinking about it the other day, and the one thing I thought of was Game Six against Tampa. For Calgary, because if that goal counts the one that was that clearly crossed the line but it was ruled a no goal, can you imagine just how much that would have changed everything? I mean game seven was still fantastic. Tampa got out to that two nothing lead, and it looked like they were going to run away with it, and Calgary had a late charge in the third. but if that goal goes in in game six, can you imagine if they had replay back then or i if they may have had replay I don't even remember if they had replay back then. Because all I remember for that game, because I listened to it on the radio, because I I, I, was, uh, I had like a Walkman. For those for you young kids who, the, you, for you youngins who have no idea what a Walkman is, uh, do I really even need to explain what a Walkman is? I don't really want to feel old right now, do I? Um, but I had a Walkman and it had an AM/FM radio, and I was listening to Game Six on my Walkman. Uh, while I was out and about on that Saturday night and I just remember, all I remember was listening to the crowd celebrate, like they, they celebrated, like they won the thing. And then all of a sudden the, I can't remember if the referee just like waved it off. And then all of a sudden they go into double overtime and, uh, Martin St. Louis scores the winning goal and changes the narrative over everything. Can you imagine if Calgary had won that game six? That would have just been one of the greatest playoff runs I think I'd ever seen. But what can you do? Right. Like, What can you do? There aren't really many things that I could change for the Golden Knights. Like, yeah, what I want to change game seven. I think a lot of Golden Knights fans and a lot of people covering the team would want to change game seven because they want to see how far that team could have gone all the way to the, maybe to the Stanley Cup final, or at least the Western conference final. I think that would have been, that would have been amazing for everybody to see, but we will never get that chance because no one has a time machine to change the outcome of history. And I think there are a lot of things right now that I think a lot of people would love to change the outcome of if they had a time machine, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, by the way, and I, and I know that I'm just kind of throwing filler out there today, but this has been on my mind all day and it's absolutely nothing to do with hockey or sports in general. If you are a fast food I'm I'm going way off the rails here. If you want to click off right now, you have more. You are more than welcome to. But I feel like this is the perfect form, Jesus. If you are a fast food chain, I get you're trying to put innovation together, and I get that you're trying to just try new things, get the people talking. I don't think that a piece of fried chicken should be used as a centerpiece of a sandwich with the bread being two donuts. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, KFC, I I went to go check the mail today, right? I went to go check the mail. And, uh, as I did, I, you get those coupon flyers in the mail for like, you know, get two for six bucks or something like that. And, KFC, I I would get KFC more often. I just don't think about KFC as my one go-to spot for uh, fast food. But they started selling this sandwich where it's two donuts as bread with the chicken in the middle. I don't know exactly if KFC is really trying to kill us all. I, I don't know. I, I think I summed it up perfectly in in a tweet that I had and I and again, I don't really pat myself on the back on most tweets. Uh, but it was like uh, everyone, coronavirus is here to kill us all. Uh, KFC, hold my beer. That is the sandwich that is going to kill us all. If you've tried that sandwich, if you have gone to KFC to try this sandwich, I want you to tweet me and let me know what you think of this damn sandwich. Because I feel like that this is where uh, the end is nigh. The end is nigh, not because of coronavirus. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to make jokes about people dying by the coronavirus. It is a very serious situation. I just think that it's kind of ridiculous that everybody's going to Costco and Sam's Club recently to just steal all the water and all the toilet paper and all the, you know, all the paper towels instead of people that you know actually need them. Instead of people buying them to stock up for the apocalypse that is apparently coming to be our impending doom. Um, But if you are going to KFC, if at any point, if you have the urge to go to KFC and you're like, you know what, I want some fried chicken. First of all, probably go to Popeye's might be a better option. But if you do go to KFC and you do get this sandwich, I want you to let me know what the hell you think of this sandwich. Because I am probably going to be the dolt that probably drives up to KFC. I can't go to the KFC over on Easter now because they closed it, so I can't do that anymore. But if you are near KFC and you feel like getting that donut sandwich, let me know. And your opinion may or may not sway me to try it in the near future. That, my friends, is my soapbox on fast food for this podcast because who needs a look around the league, right? I kind of gave a little skim right there. You who needs to look at other hockey scores after that crappy game, right? <laughs> Let's just talk about fast food. If you want me to talk about more about fast food, I'd be more than happy to. Um, but you know, we're coming up on 27, 28 minutes right now. I think I think we've hit our we've hit our limit for today. I think I think that's fair to say. All right, everybody. That will do it for me this week. Um, again, reminder, Monday. Uh, Monday's episode is going to be the recap of the Calgary game on Sunday. Um, Tuesday will be the recap of the Edmonton game. I will not be able to fully watch the Edmonton game because I will be covering uh, college basketball stuff all day Monday, literally three games back to back to back. So I will not be there fully engulfed in the game. I'll obviously have it on my computer, but I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to be able to like fully concentrate on it. Um, so yeah, that is, that is where we are as far as next week goes. Uh, mailbag questions. Thank you to those of you who have already sent in a good number of questions. I think we got five on Twitter already. Thank you so much. If you've already done that again, mailbag coming sometime next week. If you have questions, uh, please email them to lockdown at gmail.com or tweet at VGK or tweet at DannyWebster21, and your question will 100% be read on the air because I don't turn away questions. Unless it is something... Actually, you know what? I don't really turn down questions unless they are the most outlandish things. I haven't turned down a question yet on a a mailbag, which is, you know, fair to say, is a good thing. Um, But send in your questions. Um, that is the plan also for Monday and Tuesday, be on the lookout for that, but send in your questions, uh, for the mailbag. Uh, we might do it in the middle of next week. We'll, we'll kind of play it by ear and see how it goes, but, uh, that will do it for me this week. Thank you guys again for downloading, sharing, subscribing, listening, all that jazz. Um, again, Apple Podcast. If you would be so kind as to leave a review and a rating, uh, lets people find the podcast, lets me know how I'm doing. Uh, if you've got any constructive criticism, anything like that, please let me know. Um, again, not trying to be the best podcaster in the world. Obviously, we'd love to have this podcast be as successful as it possibly can. But I know that sometimes just one guy talking isn't everybody's cup of tea. But we do leave a review and a rating, helps the podcast out, helps me out tremendously. And I do appreciate you for that. So that'll do it for me. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good weekend. Um, yeah, have a good weekend and try to have a better weekend uh, than the Golden Knights. So until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will see you guys on Monday. Have a good one.